Mark chapter 4, we're in the middle of a series called Marked, Marked, and we are basically studying selected portions from the gospel of Mark. Today we'll be in chapter 4 and chapter 5, and I just want to say this, if you feel alone, if you feel, if there's a fear, a fear of the future, a fear of a relationship, a fear of, of what's to come, if you feel, if there is some sort of insecurities that you're, that you're dealing with, I want you to know that I believe with all of my heart this message is for you. And I prayed all week long and I, I totally, I said, I believe that this message will inspire our people. I believe this message will encourage our people. And so if you're dealing with any of those things, you feel alone, you feel like you, you, there's this fear that's, that's grabbing, that's taking a hold of you. If you are dealing with some sort of insecurities, my prayer is that you would allow God to speak to your heart today. Because I think there's a powerful, powerful, powerful word that he wants to say to you today. So, just to bring everybody to speed, um, the, throughout the whole series, what we've learned is that if you're a Jesus follower, you have been marked, okay? Like, like permanently marked. You have been eternally marked by his grace, like a tattoo. You have been, you've been marked by his grace, by his forgiveness. You're a different person, okay? You're not the same. You're a new creation, and so at the very beginning of Mark, we see that God raises up, um, and what Mark is doing is he's telling us about this movement, that like back then, like when the movement begins, like it didn't even have a name, okay? Like we call it Christianity nowadays, but it's, it's totally different. The movement is totally different than what we experience here in East Texas. And so we've been, if you missed the last couple of messages, go back and listen to them, but what we've learned is that that. God raises up this man, John the Baptist, to prepare the way for Jesus. And John is, he's, sort, he's outside of the religious system of the day. Okay, This movement is away from, from Jerusalem, which was the epicenter of all religious uh, affairs. It, it is away from the temple. People are l- literally leaving the church. They're going into the desert, and that's where they're encountering God in a very unique way, in a very totally different way than it had ever happened before. So that's what we've seen. It's, uh, Mark is telling us that, about this movement. We call it Christianity, but it's not, when I say those words, it's not at all what what we have in mind when we, when we use that word. And so we're in chapter 4. As we begin to, uh, to look at this chapter, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to think for a moment of your, like, your greatest hero. So just take a second and think, think of someone like that person, whether they're dead or alive. I want you to think of that. Per- it could be a TV personality. It could be a Bible character. Maybe someone that you've read about in the history books. Uh, I want you for a, just a moment, think of it. could be a, an athlete or somebody famous. Think, would you just for a second just picture that person, like, like their face in your mind, like someone that like you look up to, someone that maybe intrigues you, or man, you like th- that person, you, you just follow them to the end of the world. Okay, so do you have them? You have them in, in your mind? Give me a thumbs up if, you, if you're thinking of them right now. I'm, I'm kind of slowing down right now because I want everybody, I want you to picture that, that hero for you. You guys, give me a thumbs up online if you're following. For Mark, that hero was Jesus. He was up close and personal to the story of Jesus. So he's not writing a history book 2,000 years later. For Mark, this was life-changing. 
And so, so the, the, the questions, like when you think of that person, what, what questions would they ask you? What, like that person that you look up to, what advice would they give you? Um, how, like, what stories would they tell you? Or how would you spend a day with them? That's what Mark is trying to do. Mark is trying to basically say, hey, I want you to come with me. I want to I I show you just, I just want you to, let's just go on a hike. Let's just go on a, on a little journey. And I want us, in chapter 4 and chapter 5, he's saying, I want you to get a glimpse of who this Jesus is. For him, it was his hero. He was a Jesus follower. He, he already made that decision. But you have to understand, Mark writes the gospel of Mark. He's the first gospel writer, okay? Of the four, he's the first one that writes it. So this is right, off, right after Jesus had died. This is right after the crucifixion, the resurrection. And not everybody believed. Not, not everybody was a Jesus follower. There was a lot of rumors. There was a lot of questions. There was a lot, um, uh, lots of doubts, even about the resurrection. And so as Mark writes these words... What he's doing is he's inviting you to come on a journey. And he's saying, hey, 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 regardless of where you're at, let's just go on a, just a little walk. Let's just go on a little journey. And I just, I just wanna, I want you to see for yourself who this Jesus is. And I want you to make, you can make your own conclusions, but just let's just spend a few hours with him. So that's what I want to do today. I want us to spend a day with Jesus, okay? What would it look like? To spend a day with the Savior. So if you read verses 1 through 34, Jesus is spending a whole day preaching. Okay? Now there was so much hunger after this that they would, there was a crowd of people who would sit and they would listen. Not only would they sit, but they would push against Jesus all the way, all the way up to the shore and to the, to the ocean. Like he literally had to get on on a boat to continue preaching because the crowds would just push against him. And he's preaching, and I'm going to let you, because of time, I'm going to let you read verses 1 through 34 on your own sometime whenever you get a chance. But basically, the Bible says that Jesus taught them by, telling, by using many stories. So he's just telling one story about, uh, after another, one story after the next. And he's telling them about the kingdom, and he's telling them about this, and he's preaching to them. And I'm sure they're laughing, and they're, they're, they're curious, and they want more, and they're hungry for a whole day. All right, so I want to begin now in verse 35, where the action begins. So imagine that you're with Jesus, okay, you're on this journey with Mark, and, he, and you, you've been with him all day long. You guys tracking? Everybody tracking? Verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So this is the Sea of Galilee. This is, they were on the western side. What they're saying is they're going to get on a boat. They needed some rest. Because if they've been with Jesus all day long, you know, and they've, you know, imagine that's, that's you know, they're, they're serving the multitudes, and they're tired, and they're like, okay, we need to get away for a little bit. And so they're going to go from the western shore, shore of the Sea of Galilee to the eastern shore where basically they were smaller. It was a, um, like no large cities. And so there was a lot less people. And so they say, they, they get on the boat and they're crossing the lake. Verse 36, so they, they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. Imagine that. See, see when, when I'm talking about, when I say the word Christianity, it, just do not, it does not do justice because of what comes to our mind. 
These people are so in love with God's word that they're literally, not everybody, but some of them, literally, they got on the boat and they were going after them. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now, what you need to understand about the Sea of Galilee, and I think I have a picture of it. We can show it up, put it up there on the, on the screen. What, this is a modern day picture of the Sea of, of, of Galilee. What you need to understand about it is the Sea of Galilee is 680 feet below uh, sea level, okay? And so what would happen, and it still happens, is what the, the wind would hit across the land and, and if you see in the background, I don't know if you guys can see it, but it's actually surrounded by hills. And so what the wind would do is it would hit the ground, right, and it would blow, blow up those hills, and then it would come down and it would intensify, and by the time that wind would hit the water, it would create major storms, unexpected storms. And so they get on the boat. They don't know what's ahead. And they're about halfway through. It's about 13 miles long, I think eight miles wide. About halfway there, and all of a sudden they encounter this storm. Have you ever been there? Does that sound like the story of your life? Like you need some rest, and uh, you end up with more stormy weather than, than calm seas? Does anybody feel like that? Like, I've been there before. We're like, like, okay, Lord, I need a break from all the stress of life. Instead of getting a break, it's like, you know, life throws you another storm. You know, here it comes. And so the disciples are dealing with two things. Number one, the fear of the storm, the fear of the unknown, okay? Number two, they're dealing with their inability to control their situation. Now, does that sound like us? Right? Like we don't know, like when, when, when we face something, a stress, a storm or whatever, it's usually those two things. Our fear of the unknown, our fear of the future, our fear of what's to come, and then our inability to be able to control the situation. How many of you love control? Raise your hand. I love control. My wife and I, we were talking about it the other day. Man, I, she was telling me, confession time, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> You guys pray for me. I'm going to get in trouble after the service. You know, she said, I think I found out what's wrong with me. She said, I just like control. I said, well, welcome to my world because I love control too. And so the disciples are on this boat and look in verse 38. Not only are they fearing the storm, not only do they have this whole idea of like, I mean, we cannot change our circumstances or inability to change the circumstances. Look in verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat. And watch this. I love how Mark gives us some insight as to what, how Jesus, he was sleeping. With his head on a what? He's sleeping on a boat. He's like, he's got his head on a pillow. I'm like, okay, when in the world? Right? Like, like this is, and there's a, there's a point. This is not by coincidence. There's a point because there's a promise that God wants to remind you of. We'll get to it here in a minute. But there's a point. There's a reason why Mark says Jesus is sleeping with his head on a cushion. Look at verse 38. The disciples woke him up shouting. Okay, so can you, do you put yourself in that situation? I mean, it's windy. The waves are, you know, hitting the boat. The water's coming in. They, can, they cannot see a thing. Okay, they're freaking out. And they, it, it gets to the point where they're, they get to him. They're shaking him up. And they're saying, Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're drowning? Fear of the storm, inability to control their circumstance. And now they're dealing with the unexpected response of the Messiah. 
I mean, these people, if, if you were them, you would have asked, Lord, how could you be sleeping right now? Lord, how could, what kind of response is that? I mean, we've, we forsook everything. Remember two, three weeks ago, we talked about, like, these disciples, when Jesus came to them, after what had happened to John, because John was the one that started the movement, people were coming to John, and then John ends up in jail, and Mark doesn't even spend time talking about that. And then, but then, then Jesus begins to recruit his disciples, and they're, they're following Jesus, even though they've seen what happened to John. And so if you're them, I've, I'm thinking at least, okay, this is the wrong response. We are, this is a difficult moment. Like, we forsook everything for you. I mean, this is, like, you should at least be, I mean, you're the Savior, right? You should be paying attention. And so if you're like me, I think we can relate, because it's, there's, there's a little bit of a, like, how could you, after all we've done, like James and John, they literally, they left their dad on the boat while they were fishing. They left their careers. They left their, their families. They left everything to follow Jesus. And this is how, and on top of that, they've been with him all day long. They need some rest. And they, Jesus, basically, Jesus sends them into, he puts them in, in the middle of this storm. And so here's the first promise that God, that Jesus was teaching them, and I believe that we need to learn. And it's this, promise one, it says, you are not alone. And I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I want to, I want to speak words of life to you. You, regardless of what you're dealing with, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, regardless of what you're dealing with, you're not alone. Now, God may not always behave the way you want him to behave. And that's the challenge. Jesus is asleep. And they're freaking out. And they don't understand it. And in the same way, you may not understand your circumstances. Your plans for your life may be totally different than what you expected, than what you had planned. His timing may be different. But I, I just want you to know, don't ever doubt for a second. If you're a Jesus follower, don't ever doubt his presence in your life. Now watch what happens. Verse 30, 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. I would have loved to have seen this. I just, this would have been to me just picturing Jesus saying those words, you know, be still, silence, like stop, and everything just stops in that moment. It must have been so powerful to be there. And that's what you want in your life. You want the expert. If my car breaks down, I want a mechanic. I don't need a computer engineer, all right? Like, if I break a tooth, I want a dentist. I don't need the exterminator, right? Like nothing wrong with the exterminator, but I want the expert. And what you want in your life is Jesus, the expert at calming you when the storms of life hit. Now notice how I, I phrase that. He calms you down. He gives you grace. He gives you peace. He gives you inner strength. He leads you. He guides you. When the burden, you can't handle it, you can lay it at his feet. He tells you to do so. And now watch what happens. When he, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Great question. We'll talk about faith here in a minute. The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Like they, they ask each other, who is this? Who, like who, who are we following? 
Even the wind and the waves obey Him. Now here's what I want you to understand today. Your faith does not get you out of the storm. They needed rest, right? They had been with Jesus all day long. How many of you will take a little nap this afternoon? That's a, the, the, the holy Sunday afternoon nap. I take it every Sunday afternoon. They had been with Jesus all day. These were, it was late into the night. And they run into a storm. Your faith doesn't always get you out of the storm. Your faith, if you don't get anything else today, please get this. Your faith gets you through the storms of life. Because so many of us get it, we have it wrong. We think that if we put our faith in Jesus, that life is going to be easy. No, 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 no. Life is still going to be hard. The difference is that now you have a superpower, if I can just say that in a, in a kind of a jokingly way. But, you know, we have this faith. We have this thing that just gets us through the most difficult struggles in life. Yes. And so they're asking themselves, who is this? Because this is not just a good man. This is not just a teacher. This is not just a miracle worker. I mean, we are with the commander of the universe. He tells the wind. He tells, he commands the waves to stop and they stop. And I want you to know today, you are not alone. The commander of the universe is with you. Chapter 5. Let's continue. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. Now you would think, if you get to safety... If you get to the shore, what, and you, your life has depended on it, what would, you, what would you do? Like if the boat is breaking apart, if like, no, you, like you were about to lose your life, you get to shore, and what would you do? I would throw myself on the sand. I love the beach anyway. You know, I just, you know, like, yes, we made it. We're here. Nope. It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes, verse 2. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed with an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. Now, if you're the disciples, you're wanting some rest. You're thinking, thank you, Jesus, we made it. You know, we're alive. You know, do they get some rest? Nope. Do they... Are they safe? Nope. Look at, look at how the Bible describes this demon-possessed man. And I don't even know exactly what that looked like. But it sounds like it's a script from a horror movie. But listen to it real quick. I'm going to read real quick, okay? This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be strained, even with chains. So back in that day and age, like your, your chains were like the psychiatric hospital, okay? Like there was no grace. If you were crazy, if you were having issues with mental health or whatever, demon-possessed or whatever this is like you were kicked out of town and you were basically chained up this man though like nobody could hold him back whenever he was verse 4 whenever he was put into chains and shackles as he often was he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed smashed the shackle, the shackles no one was strong enough to subdue him tremendous strength and the disciples are there and this guy is going a little crazy all right can you picture it the Bible keeps going. It says, day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills. This is where I, I was reading this. And it's like, this is like a script for a horror movie. Howling and, and cutting himself with sharp stones. And when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Okay, I'm tired already, all right? 
Like, if I, I haven't lived through this, but it's like, okay, that's a lot. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. It's interesting to me that just a few minutes before, just a few minutes before the disciples were asking, who is this man? They get to shore and this evil possessed man says, you are what? What did it say? Help me out. You are the son. You are, you know, why are you interfering with me? Jesus, son of the what? The most high God. Like, to me, it's incredible. It's amazing how God reveals himself. Did you know that God can reveal himself through, through the struggles of a new boss? Do you, know, do you know that God can reveal himself through the struggles of a difficult supervisor? Because it, it is through this man that's demon-possessed that he's basically answering his disciples who he is, son of the most high God. Did, uh, to me, it just blows me away that God can reveal himself through our pain, through our suffering, through uh, that difficult situation that you're going through. And then Jesus, the Bible says, he heals this man. And then it says, a crowd soon gather around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. No joke. Like, they knew who this guy was. He knew that he was not right up here. And says, so like, man, I, we, I wouldn't be getting close to that, per, that guy right there. They were on edge, even though they knew, like, they, you know, he's been healed. And here's a question for you and I. Are you like the disciples? Are you like those people afraid of that crazy person? And you're like, man, what are they going to do next? And what's, what's, to, what's down the pipe? Are you, are you like those people who are afraid of your circumstances or what's coming, what's coming your way? Maybe you're fearful of the economy. Maybe you're fearful of, I mean, job security or the stock market. Or you're fearful of like where the country's headed. Or you're, you're afraid because of something that's going on with your family or a relationship, or you're afraid of, of, of the future, and you're, you're feel fearful because you, you don't have control of something, or you're fearful of what others say or will say about you. Here's the promise that God is teaching them. You are safe with me. Amen. You're safe with me. Regardless of what's coming your way, regardless of what crazy person is coming against you, you're not alone. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God or the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I love that verse. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's continue the story. We're almost done. In fact, I'm going to ask our worship team to get on, on stage to get ready. So just a few more verses. Are you tracking? So this is all your, you, Mark is bringing you into the story and says, just come, come with me. I'm just going to show you what it looks like to follow Jesus for a day. Tiresome. <laughs> Verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again. No rest. We don't find anywhere in here where it says, oh, and they, they spend the night and they rest and they took, no, 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 no. They get on the boat again after they deal with the crazy man, and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Watch this. Then a leper of the local synagogue, this is a man of influence, whose name was Jairus, arrived 
So Jesus gets there. This man of influence from the, one of the local synagogues gets there. When, Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. So what's going on? This guy, Jesus makes it. The crowd is there. They're still waiting on Jesus. I don't even know the time now. But this guy comes and he, I mean, this is a real deal, right? Like, his 12-year-old girl is about to die. I don't know about you, but if my 12-year-old girl is about to die, I will move heaven and earth for her. And so he drops down because he, he knows the power, because he's seen it. And he gets on his knees and says, Jesus, you can heal her. Please, I'm begging you, heal her. I've gotten those calls before as a pastor. It's like, pastor, my, my daughter overdosed. Or pastor, my mom is, 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 has passed away. Or, or this has happened. My, I have this family issue. And those are, those are difficult situations to deal with. And so for this man, it was everything. And he was not the only one that needed something from Jesus, right? In fact, I'm not going to read it because of time, but he's on his way to heal the 12-year-old girl. And do you know what happens? As the crowd is pushing against him, what happens? He gets interrupted. There's this lady who, interestingly enough, has had an issue. The Bible says she would constantly bleed for 12 years. Jesus is heading to heal the 12-year-old lady. But the lady over here that's had an issue for 12 years is believing and she's having faith that, that if I touch him, if I get a hold of him, he could heal me. And if you read this story, you know that Jesus literally stops everything and says, who touched me? And his disciples said, he's gone mad. <laughs> it's been a long day. He's a little crazy now. You know, he's probably tired. What do you mean, teacher? What do you mean who touched you? Look at the crowd. Everybody's touching you. He said, no, 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 no. There's somebody with greater faith here. And you read the story on your own, but he looks at her and she, she's crying out because she's found out, right? Who knows if this issue that I had, she hid in her heart because that's what we tend to do. We hide the issues of life in our deepest parts of our soul. And in that moment when she's exposed, she drops to her knees and confesses, says, it's me, I'm sorry, Lord, it's me, it's me. And she says, your faith will heal you. At that moment, the people, remember, he was on his way to heal the 12-year-old, and the people that served this, this man of influence says, no, 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 don't bother the master. The, 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 let, let me show you. Do we have, do we have a second? Can, can we read a couple more verses? Is that okay? No? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You're going to get it either way. <laughs> Let me back up. I forgot to say this. The third promise is this. You have my attention. You're not alone. That was the first one, right? You're safe with me. That was the second one. Their promise is, you've got my attention. 
We serve an infinite God who can give all of himself to each one of us. His, his presence is unlimited. You know, like when I was 29 years old, I remember um, it's the first time I became a senior pastor in North Carolina. My kids were young. Andrew was six, right? No, no, Andrew was four. Natalie, Katie was two. Andrew, uh, Natalie had just been born. New church, you know, everybody wants a piece of you. Like I had never, didn't know what, like preaching and leading people and leading a church. I had, and I felt like, man, everybody wants a little bit of me. And if you don't give attention to one of the kids, you know, the other one will, you know, you, God doesn't struggle with that. He can give all of himself to each one of us. And so wherever you're at in life today, I want you to know that he's telling you, you've got my attention. I may not behave the way you want me to behave. My timing may be a little bit different. I may be asleep on a pillow, on a cushion, but you're safe with me and you've got my attention and you're not alone and I'm still the commander of the universe. So they, verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, this is the man of influence, your daughter is, what? Dead. If you're not careful, you will have people in your life that will say things like that. Oh, you can't do it. You can't do this. It's a, and you know them. Your daughter is dead, they say. Why bother? I'm so glad Jesus doesn't pay attention to our lack of faith. Verse 36, he was over, Jesus overwhelmed, uh, overheard them, excuse me, and said, don't be afraid, just have faith. Um, basically, he gets to the house. Um, this, they basically says she's dead she's dead and he's like no 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 she's asleep they laugh at him he kicks everybody out of the room grabs her hand in verse 41 holding her hand he said Talitha Kum which means little girl get up and the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood and walked around and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed fourth promise it says you've got nothing to fear you've got nothing to fear not even death you're not alone. You're safe with me. You've got my attention. You've got nothing to fear. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I know that I'm a Jesus follower because of what I've experienced. And just like Mark, I can tell you my life has been marked. I may have not been there but I can tell you the miracles in my life and I can tell you how he has provided time and time again and how he has helped me through the storms of life. And so I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're following us online, if you're watching with your family, if you're listening to the podcast. I'm just curious. Have you been marked by his grace and his forgiveness? If you haven't, you can ask him today to fill you up to give you faith and I'm just wondering would, is, there, is there anybody in here who said please sign me up I need, I need a little bit of what Mark was talking about I need a little, bit, a little bit of that faith would you raise your hand all over the room yeah I see that hand if you're here and you say you know what I need some of that faith in my life anyone else 
see the hand. God sees your heart. Yep. Anyone else? All you need to say is, Lord, forgive me for my sin. Make me new. I believe that you died for me. I believe you came back from the dead just for me. This whole movement that we call Christianity, it's not about church attendance. It's not about tithing. It's not about, no, this whole thing is about following a man who gave it all up for each one of us, who's for us. Three questions and we're done. What fears are you facing? What fears are overwhelming you? What obstacles are in front of you and you just don't know how to control, you don't know how to manipulate and change? What lies from the enemy are you believing? Hang on to faith. God may not get you out of the storm, but he'll get you through it. Father God, you've heard our hearts, you know our prayers, you know our deepest thoughts. Thank you, Father, we had a chance to walk with Jesus for a day. Father, I pray for every single person that's listening to the words that are coming from out of my mouth. I pray that you would inspire them to continue to love you. I pray that you would encourage them to be the church. Not go to church, but be the church. God, if there are marriages that need healing, I pray for that. I pray, I pray for miracles. God, if there are finances that need to get back into place, Lord, I ask that you would provide wisdom and discernment and that you would provide those finances. God, if there is sickness, I pray that you would you give us strength where strength is needed. I pray for miracles if that's what you want, Father, in those people's lives that are dealing with sickness. But at the end of the day, Lord, we surrender because you, like it was said earlier today, you are worthy. You are so worthy and we follow you as true followers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.